We've been looking at Psalm 107, and today we're looking at a passage of Scripture that talks about storms. And here, in the moment that we're meeting, we are meeting online together because of a snowstorm and ice storm, probably more of the ice that has caused the problem than anything, but an ice storm followed by snow has come through, and it has made conditions that are building a little bit treacherous. And so we gather online because of a storm. And storms come in all shapes and sizes. We know that um, we're always alerted when somebody somewhere is uh, really affected badly by a storm. We're aware that in Kentucky, when we think of recent storms, we, we think of what happened in uh, Mayfield and what happened to that city as a storm came through and a tornado was a part of that storm and wiped out an entire town. Storms come through, they're devastating, they're, and at the same time, they're very, um, they, they reveal to us the great and wonderful power of God. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes in, especially with electrical storms, when there is lightning flashing all around and huge winds, it is just, it's, it's an amazing thing to think this is just the mighty power of this storm is, is beyond what we really can imagine. But yet in terms of God, the power that's in that storm is nothing for he controls the storms. He is the one who can uh, stop a storm, start a storm. And as we're going to see today, he in fact does do that. We're, cons- we're going to consider the storms that we face, whether they are physical storms or uh, just other difficulties in life, because a storm is how we refer to uh, the, the spiritual, the emotional, the difficulties that we go through. And we're going to consider that today and what God, God's word tells us. So let's talk about storms. Let's look at Psalm 107 and consider storms, the storms of life. So let's go through these verses. We're in Psalm 107, verse number 23. And next week, we're going to wrap up this this study that we've had that really points us to the steadfast love of God and his wonders for men. Verse 23, it says, those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters. Now, I want to pause here for a second because we're, we're familiar if we've read through um, the, the New Testament. We know that there can be storms on the Sea of Galilee. We know that there could be storms on the Dead Sea. Uh, so there are, there are places where there were storms. But when this verse starts out, I just have this impression that when those who go down, so they're leaving from Jerusalem and they're going down and they go to the sea and ships. I just picture this more like Jonah. He's going to the Mediterranean Ocean or the Great Sea, as they would have referred to it. And they're going out on those on that bigger sea. So I'm not picturing, uh, you know, the Sea of Galilee is I'm sure they have some mighty storms there, but. If you go the opposite direction, go the Mediterranean Sea, I think we're going to get the picture and the impression of a little bit bigger storms, a little bit bigger waves, a little bit more treacherous. So let's consider this as we go through. And by the way, if this is if this is the case that what I'm suggesting, 
I looked up, I, I Googled um, what's, what's the largest recorded wave on the Mediterranean Sea. And uh, this should help you uh, get an impression for maybe how big a storm could be on, this, on the Mediterranean Sea. Because, well, you might think, well, Mediterranean Sea, it's big, but it's not the ocean. It's not as big as the ocean, not that bad. Um, but I read that on January 20th in 2020, just, uh, just a couple of years ago, the largest recorded wave um, was, was uh, recorded there out, off of uh, Spain. And it was recorded to be over 27 and a half feet high. So just imagine a wave that could reach the top of maybe your two-story house. That's a big wave. But they recorded that one. But then I think their estimates for what might have been out at sea or in other places, they estimated that other waves would have reached at that same time over 44 feet high. So when you talk about a, a storm in the Mediterranean as we're, we're building up to, don't think just some two, three, six feet, six foot high waves. We're talking waves that could possibly reach up to 44 feet high. Now that's uh, that's enough to engulf, you know, to, on a four story building to reach that height. Imagine being on a sea with those size waves going up and down from the trough of the wave all the way up to the crest of the wave. That's a big wave. That's a lot to endure. So anyhow, imagine these then, these, these people, these folks who have gone, gone down to sea in ships, those folks who go in ships, we call them sailors. So we're going to get in the position of these sailors, get in the mindset of these sailors. Verse 24 then continues. They have seen the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. Okay, well, pause a second here. You might think this is a reference just to when, you, you know, maybe when you go to the ocean and you look out, you see the vastness of it. You think, wow, that's how big God is. God is vast. He's unending like it seems like this sea is. Or maybe you see a sea creature. Maybe you see some large animal in the, in, in the ocean. You're like, wow, that's amazing. That makes me think of how amazing God is. Well, they might have seen those things, and perhaps those things made them think of God. But the next verse is going to illuminate the fact that the works of the Lord that they saw and the wonders that they saw in the deep were for a different reason. 25, verse 25 of Psalm 107 begins with this. It says, for, so here is the reason. Here is what they have seen. Here is their understanding of the great work of God and his wonders in the deep. Verse 25, for he spoke and raised up a stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. So when they're out there, this, they see God. Um, perhaps on the calm days, perhaps they, they like it when there's a gentle wind that carries them safely to their destination. But they really see God and know God and understand his works and his wonders when the storm comes, when the mighty wind comes and it starts creating these, these large waves. 
waves that kind of take them out of control, waves that remind them that, hey, there's somebody greater than I am. And so we're going to consider what they they see. How do they see God in the midst of these storms? 10-foot waves, 20-foot waves, maybe on a rare occasion, a 40-foot high wave. Verse 26, in the midst of the storm, it says, So they rose up to the heavens. They went down to the depths. Their soul melted away in their misery. Now, I didn't realize that I got a little bit more studying to do than I thought about. Um, I think Richard's translation made me think I need to study on this one just a little bit more because it might have mentioned their evil intent or their evil plans. Um, I'll have to leave that one for later to figure this out because that changes a little bit about how it affects my sermon. So I, I hate that I missed that. So Thanks for reading that. So you guys are going to, you might have to do a little more studying later to check to see if overall I'm writing something I'm going to say a little bit later here. So pay attention. But in this verse, reading out of the New American Standard, and since I referenced Richards, I, I, I think perhaps he had the, the NIV. Um, but in verse 26, here's this picture. They're rising uh, to the heavens when the wave comes and they're going up to the crest. They're going way up. They're, they're getting lifted up high, and then when the wave passes, they're going down into the crest of that, into the crest of the wave, into the trough, from the crest to the trough, they're up and down. Now, I'm only going to mention this because I was, uh, I mentioned it recently, so I'm just going to give a little flashback to Wednesday night, folks. If you've ever been on the sea, um, Perhaps some of you have been on cruises and that just a little bit, even that huge ship up and down, it can give you some, a little bit of motion sickness, a little bit of seasickness. Well, I didn't experience that in um, motion sickness in a, in a cruise ship, which I've been on once, but I did experience it when I was a teenager and it was on Lake Erie. And it wasn't a windy, blustery day. It was kind of a normal day on Lake Erie. But we went out in probably a, a 20, 20, 21 foot boat, just a, a small boat out there. It was big enough. But those waves were just two to three feet high, maybe. Those were some good sized waves just rolling and that up and down motion. Oh, it was, it was terrible. And Eric didn't do any fishing that day because uh, he was feeding the fish instead of um, uh, instead of catching them. So it was a rough couple of hours out there, and I don't remember anything other than it was a rough couple hours being out there. That up and down motion is just—it's a terrible thing. And instead of up and down motion of two feet or three feet, these great storms on the Mediterranean are lifting these sailors up to 20 feet to 30 feet, just tremendous waves that they would have experienced. And it says in the midst of these waves that they're so great, they're not just making these guys sick saying, oh man, this is miserable. I can't wait till this storm's over. These guys are fearing for their lives. According to the translation I'm looking at here, I think this is one of the ways that you could, you could put this, it says their soul melted away in their misery. So these brave sailors, um, the, 
And I think they had to be brave to be a sailor back then. You had to be brave to go in those little wooden ships out into that, into that great ocean. Um, and so I, here are these brave sailors, and it says that their soul is melting away within them. This is kind of like when you read the story of Jonah. They're out there on the Mediterranean. The storm has come and they're throwing, they're casting everything overboard because they know they're going to die. Their, their ship is going to, is going to be crushed by the waves. And so they're, they're casting everything over, overboard. When you read about the story in Acts about Paul on his, on the ship when he's going to, uh, to Rome as a prisoner, you know, they're doing the same thing. They're throwing everything overboard because they fear for their lives. And here is the same picture of what's taking place in Psalm 107. These brave sailors who are doing everything they can to, uh, uh, to, to find a way to save their lives, but they're, yet their soul is melting away in their misery. This is a terrible experience. Perhaps they're sick, but I think it's more they're fearing for their lives. Verse 27 goes on and it says, they reeled and staggered like a drunken man and were at their wits end. And um, I think the, 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 the literal note there for being at their wits end, it says all their wisdom was swallowed up. It's kind of like they're at their wits end. They don't know what to do. They, their, their wisdom is swallowed up. They've got nothing else that can be done. Wisdom says, do what else? What else can we do? And there's nothing. So they're up and down. The storm is coming. The boat is filling. They have done everything. They've cast the anchor um, out the front of the boat so that they stay straight into the storm, into the, into the waves going up and down. They're being dragged around, tossed about, and there's nothing else they can do. Their lives are at stake. They're, they're sick. They're stacked. You know, they can't stand. They're, the boat's being tossed. This is a horrible situation, and these brave sailors, they're at the end. They can't do anything else. The storm is so great that they're left without hope, without anything they can do. So have you, let's pause here in the story and just think about our lives. Have you ever experienced a time in your life that was like this? That life was about to overwhelm you. The storm was so great that you felt like your life was just going to get washed away and you were going to be, be done. And there was, but there was nothing you could do about it. You're helpless and hopeless. What kind of storms have you faced? in life. Of course, we mentioned those people down in Kentucky where the, the literal storms, the tornado came through and just devastated, took away everything that they owned, perhaps took away lives of loved ones. Everything has been taken. Everything is gone except maybe your life. Imagine how overwhelming that could have been for some of those folks. Um, fire does the same thing. I, I Sometimes 
have you ever imagined, well, what if my home caught on fire and I lost, we lost everything? Have you imagined how devastating that would be? What about, um, have you ever been a victim of a crime? Thinking about the home, I, I think about, well, what if, you know, people who've had their homes broken into and had things stolen from them, that violates you in such a way that can affect you for the rest of your life. And then there's, there's other crimes that could be done to us, things that could affect us from when we were young, traumatic experiences. What kind of storms have you faced? What about uh, those among us that have served in wars? Imagine that storm that, that re perhaps returns to them in flashbacks at times, those who experience post-traumatic stress. What kind of storms have you faced? What about loneliness? And often connected with that is depression. What about an illness or cancer, any chronic disease that there's not much you can do about it? What about um, just failures? We, we all mess up in life and we make mistakes, but sometimes there's failures that happen that make when we're in the midst of it, it feels like we're never going to recover from it. What storms have you faced? What about the loss of a job? What about the loss of a loved one? Or the loss of a relationship? Maybe sometimes the storm in life can be such that you're in a spot where it just seems like everything's falling apart and life is not going as planned. You ever faced that storm before? What about just the daily grind of life? We're in the midst of this, and sometimes we don't even need something that we can point to as a storm, but it just seems like life is a storm, and you can't keep up, and you can't do everything, and the daily grind just kind of wears you down. Well, what about when maybe you get to the point in life, and this can come early or it can come late or it can come in between, but just this kind of this loss of meaning or a sense of purpose in life. I know I struggled with that as a, as a young boy is that, you know, when, when I was coming into my teen years, it's like, what is this all about? Why am I here? Is there really a God? And we struggle with those things about the true meaning, the true purpose in life. And, and I, I think a lot of times about those folks who suffer their midlife crises, you know, and it's kind of like, well, they're just suddenly asking the important questions that they forgot about for a long time. And what is life all about? Why am I here? Sometimes when you, and when you don't have the answers to that, that is a terrible storm to face and to go through in life. The purpose of life. I can't imagine, and I hope I'm not there. At the, I hope I live my life so that at the end of my life, I'm not saying, well, what was this all about? Why was I even here? But I'm sure that that is a storm that a lot of people face. The purpose and meaning of life. So storms come in all shapes and sizes. 
It might be truly a physical storm or something terrible and bad that has happened to you. It might be just this loss of sense and meaning. It might be what it might be a storm that you have that you're facing because somebody else is going through something so terrible and you can't help. But they're all of these, the thing that all of these storms have in common is this sense of helplessness. And what do I do? And I don't know what to do. I can't fix it. And here are these sailors that kind of teach us that that happens in life. God has caused this storm. He is the one who has worked this wonder for them to see. His great and mighty power with these waves up and down. And it's these waves, it's this storm that God has created, that God has spoken into existence. And it's causing these sailors to melt away. Their soul melts away. They have given up hope. They're, they're at the point where they're, they're at their last straw. They're at their wits ends. There is nothing else they can do. Perhaps somebody out there is experiencing even that feeling right now. It turns out as we continue to read, oh, by the way, I do have my notice in this passage. I got, I got to say, notice in this passage that we're talking about here, that the cause of their distress is not sin. It's not rebellion, as are mentioned with verses 11 and 17. Rebellion and sin has, has caused um, some of these terrible distresses that these people have gone through. They're the reason for these things. But it doesn't mention that in this passage unless it's hinted at verse 26, according to the passage that was read earlier, or the translation that was read earlier. But the threat to the sailors was just a work of God. It was a work of the Lord. They saw his wonders, verse 24. This is the works of the Lord, his wonders in the deep. Verse 25, for he spoke and raised up a stormy wind. God works that way. God brings about his power. He puts it on display in nature. I think even of a, it was true for when the Israelites came to Mount Sinai, this great storm came, the lightning flash, and it was such a terrible and foreboding scene that the people are like, you go up on the mountain or else we'll die. If we come, if we listen to God, we're going to die. That's the power that was on display physically at that scene. And so, here they are in the middle of the ocean, in the middle of the great sea. They're lost. They're at a loss for anything to do except for to do one thing, and that's turn to the one who created the storm. So let's continue with uh, verse 28. It turns out the storm brings the sailors to God. Verse 28, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he brought them out of their distresses. He caused the storm to be still so that the waves of the sea were hushed. This is just a beautiful picture of this terrible storm. Bringing the sailors to their wits end, nothing else they can do except for one thing. To do the thing that they should have been doing all along. And that is turning to God. And so... 
let us remember this. Let us let us follow the example of the sailors, and let us remember that it's it's in life's distresses and life's troubles that we actually take a moment to look up. We get refocused when there's nothing else we can do except turn to God. That's the best thing for us is to realize that hey, even when I everything was going well, I should have been more focused on God. He is all that matters. So turn to your God. I don't, if you're going through a distress right now, cry out to the Lord. And if you're not going through some great distress, some great calamity, some storm of life right now, turn to God. That's the message. God is the one in control and we've got to turn to him. We've got to put our faith in him in the good days and in the bad days. Let us focus on him. He is the one who will bring us out of our distress. Verse 28. He is the one who will cause the storms to be still. He is the one that will cause the waves of the sea to be hushed. He is the one, as we look in verse 30, um, I'm supposed to read that right now. I stopped there. Verse 30 says, then they were glad because they were quiet. And he guided them to their desired haven. Peace comes. Quietness comes. In the midst of that storm, he calms the storm. And then they reach their desired haven. A place of safety. That's where God takes them. From the storm to the haven. That's what God will do, do for us. He will deliver us. Let us turn to him and seek him. Now, the neat thing, I got to take a moment just to point to these other passages in the New Testament. I hope your mind already flashed there with, um, with verse, uh, verse 29 and verses and 30. 29 says, he caused the storm to be still, still so that the waves of the sea were hushed. I hope you think of the scene in Mark chapter 4, verses 37 through 41. And this is just evidence. And this is Jesus doing something physical, but it's, it's a spiritual thing, a spiritual truth for what he'll do for our lives in the midst of the storm. Mark 4, 37 through 41. Um, and hopefully this is Jesus with his apostles in the boat. So we're going to look at two instances. These are two different instances. Verse 37 of Mark 4. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up. By the way, there they were. They were at their wits' end. There's nothing else can we do. We are going to die. We are perishing. And he got up, Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, hush, be still. And the wind, and by the way, I picture him being a little bit more brute. Uh, he's probably a little bit louder. He didn't have to be. He could have whispered it and still would have happened. I'm not sure. Maybe he yelled it. Maybe he whispered it. But he rebuked the wind and the sea, and he said, hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Then he rebukes them, huh? 
Verse 41, they became very much afraid and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Psalm 107, verse 29, he caused the storm to be still so that the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad because they were quiet. Now, listen in verse 30, the latter part of verse 30 says, so he guided them to their desired haven. Now turn to John. Let me go to this other one. John chapter six, verses 18 through 21. And here in this passage, Jesus is not with them in the boat. They're crossing over. I believe in this uh, in this spot, they were going towards Capernaum. But um, in verse number 18, it says, The sea began to be stirred up because of a strong wind was blowing. Then when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near to the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. So they were willing to receive him into the boat and immediately, listen here, immediately the boat was at the lands of which they were going. They had been struggling at the oars all night, trying to get to the land, going against these waves, but they could not get to their desired haven. They couldn't get there. They were struggling. They were at their wits' ends, probably. A terrible storm was causing them some big issues. Jesus comes, and, and according to verse 21, he gets in the boat, and immediately they were at the desired. Immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Psalm 107, verse 30, the tail end of this verse, so he guided them to their desired haven. Jesus gets us to the safe place. He calms the storms. He quiets the sea, the waves that are like going to destroy us. And Jesus comes into our lives and peace be still. He does this in so many ways. He does it in his own timing, but it's always true. Almighty God takes care of us. And just when we feel at our wits ends, we can turn to God, cry out to him. And he will save us, deliver us, and take us to that safe haven that we desire. Psalm 107, verse 31 and 32. So these brave sailors who had been crying out, help, help, God help us. God saves them. And here, listen to what they do. Verse 31, it says, let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness or his steadfast love, his loyal love, and for his wonders to the sons of men. Let them extol him also in the congregation of the people and praise him at the seat of the elders. Their response should be ours. Their response was, I praise God. He caused the storm. I was about to die, but he saved me from the storm. He delivered me. His, his wonders are great, and he is always working wonders for me. He is always revealing himself, and he revealed himself to us in a great and powerful way that we're going to remember in a moment with communion. Jesus, God sent his own son to die for us. On that cross, he gave himself as a sacrifice. He suffered 
the penalty that I deserve for my sins, Jesus took them on the cross. And he somehow suffered an eternity's worth of hell, is my understanding, so that I could be set free. He took my penalty, paid the penalty, but then he rose again. What a wonder that we know. You know, these sailors experienced a great wonder at the sea. They knew God, but God has revealed himself to us in a great and powerful way. So let us give thanks to the Lord for his loyal love, his steadfast love. Even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let us give thanks for his wonders to the sons of men. And I encourage you, whether you're in the storm now, and uh, you're trying to you're, get your wits in, you don't know what to do, I, I tell you to give your life to Jesus. And if you're not at your wits end and, and life seems to be going great and dandy, well, hey, you better pay attention because a storm is coming, a storm is brewing, and there's going to be a time where you don't know what to do. And I, I pray you'll turn to Jesus now so that he'll be with you in the storm. So you won't be lost and wondering in the in the in the midst of the storm, but you'll just turn to Christ and give him your life. Give him your life now. Live for him. Love him and follow him. He has done wonders for you. Give your life to Christ today. Call us, talk to me, get me later. You know, find somebody you know is a trustworthy student of scripture so they can teach you of how you need to respond to Christ and baptism and what it means and represents and how you must live your life turning away from sin and living now for a new savior, a new leader in your life. Give your life to Christ today. If I can help you with that, you call me, you let us know. So that is the end. The storms of life come. Be ready. Turn to Jesus. We're now going to turn our thoughts towards Christ in the table, the our communion feast. So I'll turn this over to Brother Jerry.